Greetings all and welcome to Margin Call, the podcast and editorial meeting for Quest On Media. I'm your host, Russell Morse. Our discussion today was inspired by a piece by our old friend Donnie Lumpkins, a piece written in response to the death of L.A. rapper Nipsey Hussle. If you haven't seen the piece yet, I encourage you all to read it. It's on questonmedia.com right now, and the headline is, It's Kind of Dangerous to Be an MC. Let me start by introducing our guest tonight. With us for the first time, very exciting, F.D. Sharoni, another dear friend who is based in Los Angeles, and with us as always, keeping us on task and sounding good, our fearless leader, our producer, Eming Piancai. FD, I'm going to start with you for a lot of different reasons, one of which won't be disclosed right now, but the other one is, uh, whoever's first time is on the show, you got to go first. We just made up that rule recently, just a time for you to be here. Uh, I'm, I'm really glad that you're able to join us for a lot of reasons. I've been trying to find a way to get you on the show forever. You and I have been friends for almost 20 years, I think exactly 20 years now. That's crazy. Um, but you're also one of the first people I thought of, uh, when I was reading uh, much of the response to Nipsey Hussle's death, because a lot of what people talked about, not that they didn't talk about his music, but overwhelmingly, uh, what people talked about when they, they talked about the tragedy of his loss was the work, the community-based work that he did, uh, which was a surprise to me. I mean, I was familiar with his music. Uh, and as a public figure, you know, he shows up on TV shows. He's an actor too. Uh, but I did not know, uh, the extent to which he was involved in his own community in Los Angeles. Uh, and since you're in LA and you're doing community-based work, uh, you and I had a brief conversation about it. Uh, so I'm curious to learn more about it. What is, what is his role? What kind of work has he been doing in LA? Um, and what does, what does this mean for people and, and the kind of work that he was doing, uh, in South Los Angeles? Um, well, thank you for having me on the show. It's very exciting to be here. Um, you know, I, I first met Nipsey Hussle when he was performing at the Time Done concert. Um, Time Done was a concert that was put on by Californians for Safety and Justice. So it was talking about the many barriers that the um, reentry community is facing. Um, really larger than that, just people who have convictions in general. And um, Nipsey has been a big advocate around criminal justice reform and all of those issues. And he was the headliner in this concert, um, which was a really beautiful event where it was free and he invited in the reentry community or anybody who's just been affected by the criminal justice system. Um, you know, I think that there's a lot of tragedies um, around um, his death, but, you know, strangely enough, on, on Monday, uh, the day after his death, um, he was scheduled to meet with Michael Moore, who is the captain of LAPD to talk about the gang violence upticks that has been going on in his community. Um, and he has always been very, very involved and wanted to sit down with the police chief to really see how he could be of service. Um, he has been, you know, in his district, he's from the Crenshaw district. He's really invested his own money and his really wanted to contribute to the revival of South LA as being a creative music center. Um, he just recently bought the shopping square that his marathon store was at, right where he was killed. He recently purchased that land 
Um, and he's buying, he's been buying up properties all along Crenshaw in an effort to revitalize the community. And he's really makes a very large effort to employ um, people from the community who um, are generally marginalized from these types of ventures. Can you talk a little bit about reentry work? I mean, I have a familiarity with what that is, but can you talk about what the needs are of these communities? I mean, I assume you're talking mostly about people who are returning to their community from jail or prison and the kind of resources they need. Can you talk a little bit about what those needs are and how he's been a part of that? Yeah. Um, so in California, we have had, um, I'm really happy, we've had a lot of criminal justice reforms in the last five or six years. Um, we have you know, historically had one of the largest uh, prison populations. And for a variety of reasons, um, there's been a lot of changes. And so we have a lot of people, a lot more people coming home than we ever did. Um, there's also been changes like Prop 47 that have allowed people to come home and have changed a lot of uh, convictions from felonies to misdemeanors. Um, but what that results in is that there's a lot of people who are coming home, but there's a lot of barriers um, from employment to housing. And, you know, I can go on and on. I, I can't, I, I don't remember the exact number, but there's something like, I think, close to 6,000 barriers that somebody who has a conviction is barred from, right? Like even having like a barber license, um, you know, also adopting children. There's just like a huge variety of things that are really ridiculous. And so um, while it's great that we have all these reforms, if we're not able to really support and really welcome people back in, um, it's going to be problematic. And I think that people are being punished repeatedly for, um, you know, a mistake that they've made. Um, and I, I believe that if somebody did their time, then it should be done, which was why the concert was called Time Done. Um, right. So and so what does, does Nipsey's involvement, does Nipsey's involvement, like his, his involvement with that movement, did that, was that limited to that concert? Or has he been involved in criminal justice reform and reentry work in other ways? Um, no, he's been involved in the community and in criminal justice reform in many, many ways. He's been really supportive. Um, there's almost, you know, just in the last few days, talking to everybody in the reentry and the criminal justice reform and gang intervention workers, every single person in L.A. has a Nipsey story. You know, they're all like, oh, well, when he came through here and, you know, and these are not like the fancy, flashy organizations, right? Um, and he really cared. And he was also incredibly, um, gifted and smart in a business sense. Um, I spoke with representatives, um, from Marquise Dawson Harris's district, which is, um, the district for South LA where he was from. And they said that when they first heard of him and they were talking about him, they had no idea like he really had prolific thoughts in terms of like buying back the community and buying property in Crenshaw and making sure and helping business owners stay there. Um, and also, you know, trying to do things to prevent the gentrification that's happening around the new um, transportation lines. So he was just a very um, 
obviously he was talented and creative and musical and all those things, but as a community organizer and as somebody, you know, he just made huge, huge difference in the community. Right. Um, you know, we've seen so much violence, uh, inflicted upon rappers, hip hop artists over the years. It's like, there's a sad association and there are a lot of patterns. There are a lot of things that we do in response. And a lot of the time, you know, we all, the name Tupac comes up anytime somebody dies, right? We talk about legacy and we talk about Tupac and that's, you know, his, he died uh, a long time ago, as we all know, over 20 years ago. Um, but this was the first time that I, that those comparisons really landed with me because I remember around the time that Tupac died, people talked about um, his importance as a community leader and as, as an icon his relevance, his social relevance, his political relevance outside of music mm -hmm. um, and the way that people are talking about Nipsey's role in that way as a community organizer, as a leader, as a political leader um, is really reminiscent of, of what people said around the time of Tupac's death as well, because he did a lot of similar work, as you know. Mm -hmm. uh, I'm, I'm curious to hear from you just what the, the tone is in Los Angeles on, on the street level, right? Like, how is this affecting the city? What are you seeing? What evidence of this event and people's responses are you seeing in your everyday life? Um, you know, I, I also see the parallels with Tupac. I think that the difference that, to me, I was really shocked and surprised is how much, um, you know, the establishment... <laughs> Uh, the police department and everybody has acknowledged as well how important and prolific he is and how they too have really rallied around this and have really tried to be respectful of the community in their mourning. Um, and which I think is different, right? Like at the time when Tupac's death, like hip hop and everything was sort of still like underground and the other. Um, but I think that, you know, times have changed. You know, the fact that you know, there's these huge city council LEPD meetings and everybody's really planning and really trying to be respectful. Um, I have a friend who is part of the um, community response team or the crisis response team. I don't remember who's there at the site. And so on the first night, there was some issues that happened at the site of where he was shot and killed. Um, and so they've really made an effort to secure it but to secure it in a way that's respectful to the community um and i believe that the nation of islam has been huge in making sure that the, the peace has been kept there in that area and you know um i i don't know if it's like assumed but that area is there's a lot of gang violence and um his death is one of the uptick of deaths that have been happening in that area recently um and so having the community come together and, you know, LAPD has been on the outside. They've really stood on the perimeter to allow the community to have a space to mourn. Um, and so it's as somebody who remembers the way uh, the hip hop community or hip hop artists might have been treated, you know, back in the old days, uh, it, it's nice to see that people can honor him despite the fact that there are people that, you know, he had gang ties and whatever all these other things are, that we can just acknowledge his strength and power regardless of that. Well said. Thank you. Uh, thanks to you, FD, for coming on to shed light on this. I think it's important to get a sense of 
what's going on in Los Angeles uh, to understand Nipsey and his contributions to his community. So thank you. Thank you for shedding light on that. Uh, I want to introduce now uh, a recorded version of Donnie Lumpkin's piece. I encourage you all to go to the site now if you haven't read it already, questonmedia.com. Uh, the piece is It's Kind of Dangerous to Be an MC. Uh, Donnie also worked with an old friend of ours, Malcolm Marshall, to do an audio version uh, of his piece, which you'll hear right now. It's Kind of Dangerous to Be an MC. Commentary by Donnie Lumpkins. Hip-hop has claimed many lives on its meteoric rise to global dominance. L.A. rapper Nipsey Hussle's murder sadly proves that the list of rappers who leave us too soon is ever-growing. It's no coincidence that gun violence and substance abuse are grave societal problems that have plagued hip-hop for decades. MCs are our street reporters, our frontline storytellers. We rely on them to communicate and comment on our societal ills. Unfortunately, that too often means falling victim to the violence and addiction they witness. Hip-hop comes from humble beginnings, growing from the scrappy urban youth culture of New York City in the 70s into a global industry worth an estimated $10 billion. Now that hip-hop is so lucrative, why is it still so dangerous to be associated with the genre? Since the murder of Tupac on September 13, 1996, 29 hip-hop artists of note have died due to gun-related violence. That includes Biggie, Big L, Jamaster J, Mac Dre, Proof, Soldier Slim, The Jacka, and most recently Bankroll Fresh and XXXTentacion. The rap crisis doesn't stop at violent crime. A number of artists have died as a result of an overdose, including DJ Screw, Pimp C, Lil Peep, and Mac Miller. Rap can't be blamed for the larger societal issues of addiction and gun violence, but it is suffering from their impact and reacting in real time. Drug abuse and gun violence have been major topics in the music since its inception over 40 years ago. In 1982, Grandmaster Flash and the Furious Five released The Message, a song that documented the reality of drug abuse and violence that swept through New York City in the 80s. That track was a wake-up call for America. It stood in stark contrast to the Studio 54 pleasure party we associate with that era of indulgence. Now rappers have shifted their attention to 21st century drugs, like Xanax and Lean. The substance abuse crisis of the past decade is tied to prescription drugs, all reflected in the lyrics of today's rap superstars, one of whom even named himself Lil Xan after his pill of choice. The effects of the opioid epidemic are all over modern rap music, including the overdose death of Lil Peep and Mac Miller, both of whom died with fentanyl in their systems. These public health crises are a grim reality of 2019 and permeate every facet of American life. In 2018, there were 340 mass shootings in the United States. 340. And 2019 is on track to surpass that. In 2017, drugs, including opioids, killed a record 72,000 Americans. 72,000. Too many of us have lost loved ones to substance abuse, suicide, or gun violence. I myself have lost multiple close friends and family members to these societal ills. If we can dedicate 
our collective energy to the healing and recovery of our broken society. Maybe then we can begin to tell new stories in hip-hop. Rap music's popularity shows no sign of stopping. Even at the expense of the artists putting their lives on the line to tell us those stories. Thanks to Donnie, uh, and a special thanks to Malcolm uh, for that piece. I also want to thank F.D. Sharoni for being here, for giving us some context. Uh, I'm glad that we were able to have a response show uh, to the untimely death of uh, Nipsey Hussle and have what I think was you know, an, an illuminating and important conversation about his legacy, uh, not only in Los Angeles, but in hip-hop. Uh, thanks to all of my guests and thanks to all of our listeners and until next time, quest on everybody This episode of Quest On Media's Margin Call was produced in Richmond, California 